All right, welcome back. This is a special edition of the Edtrex podcast. This is our first time, really. Well, we've had four guests before, but yeah. we're kind of going to go freestyle this time. But I'm Quinn Henderson. I'm Matt Winters. And today with us, we have Brandon Burnett and Kim Taylor. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thank you. Huh? Great to have you back. Uh, this, uh, we're looking forward to this conversation. And uh, today, we're going to kind of lead off a little bit with uh, really getting from K-12 to college, what the transition is. Particularly and, with science classes. I and, mean, we got the STEM, so science, science, technology, engineering, and math. What is the the lead between K-12, how do we get it, get them prepared to be college educators or college students, and then how do we get them to be prepared for the workforce as well? Yep, and uh, I think uh, I, I was t- we were talking just before we started. Um, this made me think about my college experience and getting into college, and I thought the first most important key was, was one thing, but I remember... I played uh, a percussion, you know, all through through high school, junior high or whatever, and we didn't have a lot of college emphasis in my household. Uh, my parents aren't college graduates. My older siblings didn't have a college in their sights, and I, so I really wasn't thinking about it, and I was a senior in high school, and it was after the band class one day. I went out, and we had a guest in there from the University of Utah, and I'm walking down the hall, and he stopped me. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, where are you going to college? And that was the first time anybody had asked me about college. And he said, you should come to the University of Utah. So I said, okay. And that's all it took was, <laughs> was for somebody to ask me or invite me to get me to think about college. So I think that's kind of the first step. But I, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about, especially when the students get to you. Are they prepared? Are they ready? What do you wish? What do you like? And how can we better better prepare them? So... Well, let's start with Brandon. Um, you're a college educator. You're a college, yes. uh, college uh, chemistry professor at Weber State. Um, are students prepared for college? I think that's a big question. So it's it's kind of interesting. Um, Kim, I know you're at a Title I school, so you mm-hmm. kind of probably have a really interesting perspective, too. Um, at Weber State, we're open enrollment. Um, we're, you know, four-year and not don't have a graduate program, and we're teaching-based, right? Um, and then we have a, a, a dual mission. So part of our mission is community college as well. So we do a lot of associates and, and things like that. And so be, especially being open enrollment, we get a lot of very diverse people coming in. Um, and so, uh, you know, we run people who, you know, if they had been more prepared, could have applied and gotten into Ivy League all the way to you know, people who didn't know what they wanted to do in the fall, so they just applied to Weber and they're now here. You know what I mean? Um, so so uh, having having that big, wide variety, uh, n- no, not a lot of them. I mean, I should not say not a lot of them, um, but there is a big population, especially at Weber, who are not ready. Um, and... But then there there is a really large population who are more than ready. So it's 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 kind of this interesting question of what needs to be done. Um, being from the sciences, especially in a physical science, uh, the one thing that usually hits me first is are they math ready? Um, so math is a huge important part, and and typically that becomes one of the big stumbling blocks or one of the big things that really disheartens students who want to be scientists or who want to be pre-professional, so pre-med, pre-dent, 
pre-farm, all that type of stuff, is that their math isn't there, and then they have to do reme remedial math, and that adds on one, two years onto their education. And with that one, two years, it becomes more frustrating for them to, mm -hmm. to graduate. Well, because there's also this mindset that college is four years, and if you take more than four years to get through it, then A, you're dumb, and, and B, you're not where you should be, right? Like, so we had so many students who are like, I know, but I need to be finished by spring of 2020, because that's my that's where I'm going to be. After that, I'm going to med school. And it's like, all right, you know, that's fine to try for that. But just know, like, you have your whole life ahead of you. Take a step back. Take a little bit more time. You'll be more successful. And I guarantee you're going to have a better experience doing that all too. And so, you know, if, if students can come math ready, I think that's just going to help them through everything. But, you know, if they don't, I don't think that that should be something you know, to stop them from coming. I think that a bigger thing should be that students should come to college n without the semester that they're going to be done in their head. You know what I mean? Like, come, enjoy college, do what you need to do, and take as much time as you need. So. Yeah. And I second that. I wish, I, personally, I wish I'd taken more time and especially explored more scientific options, like hard science options. Yeah. And I feel like there's so much um, pressure. So, you know, my background, um, you know, I don't have college educa educated parents. And there is that timeline of like, okay, if you're going to go to college, you have a set amount of time. And then after that, you need to be finished and, yeah. you know, kind of on your way. And so it doesn't really allow you a lot of time to explore. And I think that's what your undergrad should be, mm -hmm. is just exploring and not being on a set time limit. Mm -hmm. So. So along with that, there's so you would you probably hear this all the time. I hear it all the time. Quinn, you probably hear it sometimes as well. Is K twelve is always pushing this idea of college and career readiness, college and career readiness. What is what does that look like in the twenty first century? I mean, mm. we we want to push every kid to go to college, and there's this idea of uh, totally a fallacy of you can either go get a job, you can go to college, but there's lots of options in between those two that students sometimes don't recognize. Um, what does that mean to be college and career ready in the 21st century? Yeah, it's really interesting. I hear, so we have a, an, a large economic divide at our school. We have very affluent children from, you know, affluent homes. And, um, and then we have students whose parents struggle on a daily basis um, financially. And the affluent students, I've heard almost all of them verbalize, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to this Ivy League school. They, they you know, they, they conceptually understand that they have options. Um, a lot of my underprivileged kids, I don't really hear them talk about that. They're not really sure of what the future is going to be. And I've, I've sat down with a few, you know, with most of them actually, and just kind of discussed options. And a lot of them say that they, you know, they're afraid to plan because what if it doesn't happen? And so for them, being college and career ready seems irrelevant because they're not even sure if that's a possibility anyway. So a lot of the times when we try to push that on them, I feel like the pushback isn't, I don't want to go to college. It's I'm not sure how I'm gonna make how I'm gonna make this work, and it scares me, and so I'm gonna push back on this curriculum a little bit that you're trying to give me because I'm not even sure what the future is, you know. Hmm. I think that's really interesting because you know I get them after they yeah. were prepared for you know college ready or, or, yeah. or career ready, and and it's just kind of interesting. So especially the, the the career ready, I get it to a certain point. Like uh, we should be helping prepare for their futures. And, and part of that comes, you know, learning not only content uh, that they might need, but also skills, especially, you know, like uh, interpersonal skills, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
uh, critical thinking skills, all that type of stuff. Um, I do, I, 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 I see it kind of like a pendulum, though. Like, I, I still see, you know, that people are like, it, the pendulum swings to they need to be career ready or college ready. And at that point, you know, you're, you're ticking boxes that are now arbitrarily set for, you know, this will make you career ready. This will make you college ready. Um, and it doesn't leave enough room for also there's this big world and it's kind of interesting and let's take some time to explore it even though those things don't directly get you career or college mm -hmm. ready. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but I, I can see the, the, the pendulum swing the other way where, you know, you spend a semester exploring something and then afterwards you're like, well, what was that all about? Right. Mm -hmm. And and so, um, you know, it's just kind of this interesting thing. And, and I think, you know, one of the biggest issues is that uh, school, higher ed and lower ed uh, funding gets, you know, entangled into this whole big mess too. Yeah. Well, and I think about being college ready, and to me that means being adaptable, not so much mm -hmm. being able to, you know, I mean, read, write, do arithmetic, you know, the triple R's, all that stuff, um, but the, the ability to adapt to the needs um, of the situation and the academic rigor around you, I think that's really what these kids need to be able to do. Yeah, I think so too. I think that... Uh, you know, it's almost like an attitude shift yeah. um, uh, to be college ready. Like I, I said before, yeah. you know, if they can be math ready, that's really easy. I mean, it just makes my life easier. But like, even if they're not, <laughs> like, honestly, like if I if they don't have to like teach fractions in my class, and that'd be great for me. But like, I will teach fractions in my class if that's what I need to do. But I would, you know. If, if they're coming in with a good attitude and if they're coming mm -hmm. in wanting to be there and wanting to, to do that type of stuff, I think yeah. that's going to be most important. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you, you hear a lot right now that, that really, we're even telling the kids this, and I, I hear it in classrooms and schools all the time, that you know we don't even know what jobs and careers we're preparing these kids for. Mm. And so really, how can you say that they're going to be college and career ready if we can't even define what those careers are? Sure. And I like what, what you said, Kim, about being adaptable. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that getting into the college environment and exploring all the different things and discovering what it is your skills are, what you excel at, um, what you, you might discover a passion, what you're passionate about, and that might kind of lead you down, down the right path. But I, how can we really put a hard stamp on what is career ready when those careers aren't even defined. But, and then Brandon said it as well, it's those skills. And we've talked about this in the in past couple of episodes as well about them cre students creating. And mm -hmm. I think the more opportunity, opportunity to create, I think, helps them fill in the gaps, right? So maybe if they mismeasured something, they need to go back and do yeah. more math, right? So, I mean, wh how, do we, how do we address that on... In the K twelve level, then. Well, and I'm th I'm thinking about something you said last night. This idea of, and I can't remember the exact term, so you're gonna have to jog my memory here. But uh, collaboration, risk, agency. What were the other and two? And curiosity. And what are the, what's that called? Now, that's that's really what Google um, defines as uh, creating a culture of innovation. Mm -hmm. And so Google uses those four principles to really kind of drive the culture within their organization. And you'll probably find a lot of those principles at a lot of other high-tech or leading industry organizations, but they break, break it down to that. Agency, curiosity, risk, and collaboration. Well, and the reason why I bring that up is it feels like 
there's the the three R's like you were talking about mm -hmm. a minute ago, Kim. Um, but there also needs to be almost a new set of skills or a new set of standards by which we can not necessarily even measure students, but that we encourage students to be prepared to work with in the 21st century. I don't know. No, I, I think it, and I think back to the episode we did with Brandon and, and bringing chemistry and art together. I think it employs a lot of those things because you probably would agree that there had to be collaboration. Mm -hmm. It was risky for you and the, the students. There was that uncomfortable part. They had choice in there in agency because they had to choose you know, what type of, of medium they're going to use to convey some type of science concept. Mm -hmm. And then a curiosity was already there just because no, they're like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Right? So I, to me, you kind of used that framework without, without even knowing, but you created a, a very awesome experience for them and it seems like the reaction was was i feel good. like cross-curricular education like that is the key to building those skills and like that adaptability that they need um especially i mean the internet makes the world smaller right like you see the interconnections between history and math and science and art and like you see everything in a big like a macro large perspective and so i think at the k-12 level more cross-curricular projects right. would really facilitate um the world they're going to be stepping into you know, I mean, like, if you're working in politics right now, you're not just working with politics. You're working with cultures and history and... Writing, social media. Yeah, economics, economics, finance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of interesting, like, you know, uh, something that kind of came out of this that I kind of wasn't expecting when we started this was, you know, talking about skills. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, it's, I think now in the Internet age, uh, I think focus on on facts and constants and, and things like that... Uh, really uh, appropriately are, are moving to the wayside. You can Google that anytime, right? Like, why why would you need to have it memorized, right? So I think that more and more, you know, these skills of can you work in a group? Can mm -hmm. you problem solve uh, without getting discouraged yeah. um, over and over and over again um, are going to be more and more important than do you know how to do this very specific calculation technique mm. can you know um that, yeah, that sure. type of thing so yeah and i think that raises an interesting question kind of on the k-12 level because teachers run into to kind of that wall where it's okay they get tested and they're measured on these certain things and so they shy away from spending time on those skills mm -hmm. of working together and and creating because they're they've got to get ready for that test and that assessment so really i mean how how do we get there? I mean, how how would you how would you break that down, Matt? In your in your junior high, how would you bring those two together so you're you're meeting those requirements and building those skills? Whew, that's well, a question. I want the yeah. perfect yeah. answer right now. recording. It's a lot harder. <laughs> um, well, it's it's the problem with any sort of standardized test right now is that it's it's not a measure of what students actually know, um, and. When we, when we look at what's happening with the knowledge-based stuff that you are just talking about, Brandon, um, and how we can just look it up, we can Google it, we can, you know, a lot of those tests are geared towards mm -hmm. the, that Googleable knowledge, mm -hmm. whereas the students should be being tested on collaboration, technique, being able to build, um, almost, I, I don't know, I'm a big advocate of a portfolio. Here's the best work I could produce this year. Here it is. Here's the writing. Here's a sample of my my video production. Here's a sample of my PLN building. Here's all these different things. Um, tell me how I did. 
and having that discussion, having like a coaching model to go along with that, rather than it being, here's a test, you have an hour and a half, good luck. We, and, and a lot of that testing is black box from the teachers as well. So we don't know what's on that test. And that can be uh, hugely detrimental, not only to the students, but also to the teachers um, for moral, or for morale, or um, help me out here, morality reasons. Morals, ethical, moral, moral. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. moral reasons, but also for like just morale, like <laughs> feeling good about yourself, being able. <laughs> we had a hard time with that. I did have a hard that. time. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I um, needed more hand gestures. I, I was not getting from that. But it can demean them. It can feel mm-hmm. you drop morale, and but it's also you know some teachers do have a moral problem with testing students in a certain way that doesn't represent how they're actually who they actually are as a student. And you said something recently, Matt, that that kind of stuck in my head, and that was, you know, teachers understand what the objective is and what they've got to teach, but they feel like it's a really structured way they have to get there. Yeah. And and a lot of them aren't stepping outside of their comfort zone, Mm -hmm. and that might be the opportunity to say, hey, this is the destination I need to get them to, but how can I bring in an opportunity to create and collaborate and give them some choice and still get there? And so they're still kind of have themselves in a box because of maybe the parameters or or the testing that's there, but there's still some flexibility there. Would yeah. you agree? Oh, absolutely. Well, there's that that question too of um, what do, what am I doing in my class that pushes me to be different as well? Because hmm. um, teachers have the textbook; they have something they can they can pull off of as far as pure knowledge goes. But then, what do you have to grab onto as well that pushes you as the teacher? goes back to something we talked about with Brandon as well earlier is lifelong learners. Like how, how do, how do teachers engage themselves with the classroom material that will create curriculum that pushes the students and the teacher at the same time? Yeah. And we, we've heard that over a past couple of episodes, I think back to even with, with Scott Rogers and the conversation we had with Brandon is they were doing new things in their classroom. Even with Kim. And, and Kim, uh, the expeditions and everything, everybody that we've had here has been doing things that go that were outside of the ordinary a little bit and push themselves. And when they were learning, the students were learning, but it seemed to pick up kind of those skills they were going to need anyway. And I just, maybe we don't have enough of that or maybe the message isn't out there. Well, in it, that little bit. it goes to the idea of, of teachers being a model for what they want their students, their learners to be like. So if you're a teacher who is disengaged, your students are going to be disengaged. And if you're a, a teacher who mm-hmm. is trying new things like an art project or virtual reality or I don't know craziness whatever it is you, the students will hopefully go along for the ride and do something really cool with you so and oh go ahead please oh I was gonna say you can well when you do things that are out of the box I think it ties in some of the ordinary things that you have to do just to get through the curriculum um, like for my class when we did the dissections a lot of the students were like oh this is why you had us do all these labeling things that took us hours and hours this is why you gave us all those assignments and like um, I, you know it was just really cool when you get to like tie in the out of the box activities with the kind of similar regular mm-hmm. structured activities too and then they see the point of both so absolutely well I don't think we've come to any conclusions on this but, <laughs> but. no it's a, it's a great discussion but it's something you've got to think about yeah. you know or maybe people listening that they're going to think about it and take it back into their classroom and start to think about how to integrate those skills or integrate more skills or develop the skills more of their students to help them better prepare or at least help them with their math a little bit more right right, right. Hey, Brandon yeah if you could <laughs> teach you kids yeah. 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 Just B- make bust out, out the pizza, pizza. 
Well, you know, I was just thinking real quick. I'm sorry. I just had a small little comment. But, um, you know, I think it all takes energy, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Kim, it wasn't easy to to do AR in your class, right? Like, <laughs> It uh, was fun, but I went home super pooped. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just fell asleep at like 5 p.m. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, on all levels, you know, we talked about that you have to hit these milestones for these exams. The exams are there, and they're the way that they are. I don't think anybody top down is happy with the exams. But it takes energy to, like, to change from an easy exam to a portfolio model. Or, mm-hmm. you Amen. know, some, like, well, so it, it just takes energy on all levels. And, you know, I'm not saying that, like, this is not a call to action for, like, every, you know, change across the board but like you know like revolution just, revolution but like uh you know I, I would just say from my personal experience yeah man it was exhausting but like it was so worth it yeah. like like it was way worth it and if someone you know listens to this and they've been like you know toying with the idea of just totally changing up their classroom and doing something totally wild and different you know just know like yes it will be as energy intensive as you think it will but man it's gonna be so worth it on the on the on the back end of it you'll see yeah. and I think Kim you did you'd agree with me wouldn't you mm-hmm. like, well it helps you stay engaged and, like, and the students know too like um especially I mean it kind of does you like a dual service because the students are going to respect you because you tried something new I mean even if it doesn't work like we should <laughs> there was one um one experiment we tried in my class it was like a total backfire but the kids were still like well we tried like you know and it was something new and different and like you know we knew up front it may be a bust but you know like they still respect you for trying and they're at least gonna say well it's better than just sitting mm-hmm. or doing a worksheet or doing like something humdrum you know and so it actually kind of helps you with your classroom management issues too in a, in a fun way so awesome I love that take of, of putting the energy into it and whether or not it takes off whether it works whether it doesn't there is something there that you have. You have that feedback from the students of, of just looking at them and yeah. they're going, that was awesome. That was amazing. It didn't work yeah, or well, it did work, Yeah. but I did learn something along the way. So Yeah, and the, they have the hypothetical, hypothetical model of how it would work. You know, yeah. even if it doesn't, like we tried blowing up pumpkins and a couple of them didn't blow up. <laughs> but they still do how it would work if they did, so that's good. <laughs> and on that note, where can we find you guys on the internet? So I'm really lame, and I just found out that I should be on social media a whole lot more than I am. <laughs> but you can find me on Weber State's uh, website. You can email me, at weber.edu. That's a great way to get a hold of me. Okay, and you can find me on Twitter, um, KATBioEds, my Twitter handle, so feel free to shoot me up. Great, and I'm at Q Henderson on Twitter. And I'm at Teacher Winners on Twitter. Um, thanks so much for being here today, guys. It was awesome. Thanks for, thanks having, for having us. No problem. And uh, we are a part of the House of EdTech Podcast Network, so check out the other podcasts that they have on there, and then uh, we will talk to you all later. Sounds great. Sounds good. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.